Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role that joy plays in our own journey. Hello and welcome to episode 71. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Connie Curtis, a gluten and food allergy specialist. We're in the midst of new month and Connie is a great resource for anyone curious about if they might have a food allergy or an intolerance and how to start new eating habits if you have been recently diagnosed. Before we get to the episode and the show, I want to give you guys all a super warm welcome and thank you so much for listening and tuning in. If you want to follow along with this episode, you can head on over to the website and grab the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 71. And if you like what you hear and you want to subscribe first, thank you very much. Jumpstart Your Joy is on all the major podcasting syndication spots like iTunes and iHeartRadio. All you have to do is search for Jumpstart Your Joy and it'll pop right up. (laughs) When you see the show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. And then each week you will get new episodes delivered right to your mobile device and just show up right there for you on Tuesday mornings. And please leave a review too. I love hearing what you guys have to say. A super special shout out goes to my sister, Sarah and iHeartRadio for putting on a really amazing party this last weekend. It was the iHeart the eighties show where I guess it was like their second birthday or something. And they brought together all these live performances. We got to see Rick Astley, men at work, starship, Night Ranger, Eddie Money, UB40, and of course, the new kids on the block, which if you are a new listener, Danny Wood of the new kids has been on the show. I will put a link in the show notes or there's a little banner right on the front page of jumpstartyourjoy.com. But we got to see all of them. And oh my goodness, we also met Rick Schroeder, Ricky Schroeder of Silver Spoons and of course, NYPD Blue as well. And we took a picture with him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was too much. So it was a really awesome event. If you want to follow along and see pictures of that, I kind of went nuts and posted them on Instagram. You can find me over at Jumpstart Your Joy on Instagram. And guess what? There's an amazing little snip of UB40 playing one of my all-time favorites, which is Can't Help Falling in Love With You. So go check it out on Instagram. I'm at Jumpstart Your Joy. Also, I'm a very proud affiliate of Liberated Syndication, which also goes by Libsyn. And you may ask, what is that? And that is the host of my podcast. So I put all of my audio files up there. When you go to download them off of iTunes or iHeartRadio, they are being pulled off of Libsyn. So it's an amazing podcasting service and they handle all of my files and they do the feed over to iTunes and all the other syndication spots each week. I adore working with, I'm going to give shout outs to Crystal, Elsie and Rob. They are amazing and offer some really great service. Last week you might have noticed that I managed to Somehow my my show wasn't showing up in iTunes, so I checked it out with Crystal, and she had it working super quick after she figured out what it was. She did an amazing job. So if you really are thinking of starting your own podcast, I have a special code for you to use, which is JOY, just the three letters, J-O-Y. If you put that in um, when you go to sign up at Libsyn, you will get a free month of hosting when you sign up. Awesome. You could actually get almost two. If you like sign up early in the month, they'll give you the month you sign up and the following month. So sign up early in February and you'll get almost two months worth of free hosting by Libsyn. So you go to Libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com and enter the word joy when you sign up. Totally great. So now on to the episode and the interview and all that. This episode with Connie Curtis is so close to my heart. So She is a 
gluten and food allergy specialist. I personally have been gluten-free for almost 10 years. It turns out that I have this kind of weird food intolerance called fructose malabsorption. Yeah, Uh, which means that I can't break down fructose if I eat it. And turns out that, of course, gluten breaks down into the same base of fructin as fructose, so I can't eat that either. It's really bizarre. Fun to figure out in your 30s. So figuring out, of course, was hard, and then figuring out what to eat once uh, it had been figured out what was going on. Like, that was hard, too. And Connie is a coach who works with people who have been newly diagnosed with food allergies and, like, someone who I really wish I had known about (laughs) back 10 years ago because, yeah, it's a pain in the butt. You will get to hear us talking about food and allergies, and I think you'll really love this discussion, especially if you've been diagnosed with a food allergy or intolerance, or maybe you're curious if you might have one. It's a great way to kind of get a lay of the land. Connie breaks down uh, the vocabulary. We talk about options of what to eat when you're gluten-free. And we share about some of the more emotional parts that come up when you're trying to make a change of this nature in your eating habits. So here is the interview with Connie Curtis. Welcome to the show today. I have Connie Curtis on. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, Connie. Hi, Paula. Thanks for having me on today. (laughs) So glad you're here. Why don't you tell us what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your early sparks of joy? I would say my sparks of joy have always been, funny enough, anything around food like baking, cooking, because I grew up baking and cooking. That was just what you learned, especially more so back when I was younger, right? Like in the 70s, that was just (laughs) more so than how I think. And also just nature. I grew up in the country, so that's always been like a really big thing for me. And then I started getting exposed to different types of nature, like besides where I grew up, which is West Texas, which is more flat land and not trees, but still has its own type of beauty. So mm-hmm. just really big nature. That's like one of my big things too is nature. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So there is something about taking in the beauty around you. I love that. <laughs> Because West mm-hmm. Texas it does look is. different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why don't you share, if you would, what it is that you do now? Now, I created a business called um, GlutenAndFoodAllergySocialist.com. And I'm a coach for women that are newly diagnosed with gluten intolerance and other food allergies. So I take them through a step-by-step process to help them go from struggling to thriving. And I'm also a speaker, an educator, around this subject because there's a lot of myths around eating truly gluten-free that keep people sick and sort of same same lines as like um, our health system, what we've been told, it's not always the right information. You know, I kept myself sick actually just going the traditional gluten-free diet for like over a year and I didn't get better. I kept going backwards and then finally I found a functional doctor that's very knowledgeable in this area, but with my other knowledge, you know, around just how to live on a day-to-day life and switch my lifestyle, um, putting both of them together is really what got me healthy. Right. So so now I strive to help been around that and educate globally so other people understand that it's more than just taking out the food. Right, exactly. Well, and I think that's so um, listeners may or may not know, but I'm also gluten intolerant and fructose intolerant, which is a really uh, okay. awesome one-two punch. But yeah, I think it's, and that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on the show too, is that the, to raise more awareness around gluten and what, if somebody thinks that they may have a problem, like what should they do? But also like kind of to raise the awareness just in general, because I I know you and I both have shared before that it can be such a challenge to be someone who knows that there's something that's not quite working right, but you're not maybe sure what it is. Or once you already know, then how do you navigate in society when you know you really shouldn't eat these things? But maybe we could dive into some of the definitions first, because I know if this feels like new territory to people, could we talk a little bit about like what is gluten intolerant versus celiac? And maybe what are some of the symptoms if people are like, I wonder if that's what I have? Sure. So gluten intolerance is when your immune system, specifically the uh, in the small intestine, like the villi, 
we have these little wavy things that call villi down there <laughs> that when you're eating gluten and actually if you're, you know, allergic to any other food too, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just causes a lot. I can't specifically go into like the medical version of it because I'm not a medical sure. professional, just so your listeners know that. Yeah, this shouldn't be used as diagnosis, but just an explanation right. of how we best understand that this works. <laughs> right. Definitely get a medical opinion if you're thinking that you're dealing with this, by all means. And it's not a diagnosis, like Paula said. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So your um, gut has this reaction, and that reaction can vary from different bodies, right? And usually it's more than one symptom, as people call it. So you could have bloating, you could be constipated. Foggy-headed, I would say, is a very common symptom for most people, but it it can also be a symptom for other autoimmune diseases. So that's why it's it's best to go to a medical professional to get clear on exactly why it's having this reaction in your body. You can feel hungry all the time, even after you've eaten, like a, a symptom as well. Sometimes people you know, see it in how they have weight, like if they can't gain weight or if they, they have a lot of weight because it, I found out that it can mess up with your hormones, right? So that affects a lot of things in the body. Oh, let's see what mm-hmm. some other ones. Nausea, down in your abdominal area, you can feel sore or you can actually feel cramping or something like that. Mm-hmm. Skin conditions like rosacea, eczema, you know, or a couple migraines. Those are just a few symptoms of like how gluten can show up for, for, you know, people. I think there's like over 300 symptoms. So, it can, you know, those are some of the more common ones, I would say, mm-hmm. yeah. but not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and what's so interesting, I mean, and we can talk about our own stories. What I discovered was, I mean, the, my path to figuring it out was that I was having horrible migraines. And somebody mm-hmm. very randomly said to me, like, Oftentimes, migraines are diagnosed because of a food allergy or you you have a trigger food that then, as I understand it, again, not a diagnosis, but creates like an inflammatory response throughout your body. And that's what then triggers the what's the neural system to be like, oh, let's kick off a headache for you. So I think it's so interesting that these things that don't really even like it's that's your head and the other parts, your gut. And like those things don't necessarily seem totally related to me, but then when you look a little further, they are. So I think it's, right. I think it's really good if you're like having things to really get curious, maybe is, is what my message would be. If you're having odd yeah. symptoms that don't seem related. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to end really quickly, cause that just made me think yeah. about this Paula is that even environmental allergies can be an outward mm. sign that you have a, gluten or some kind of other food sensitivity going on, actually. And it may not completely clear them up, but it, yeah. it could clear them up or drastically reduce how they affect your body. And I say that for myself because that is actually one of the things. I used to have really bad environmental allergies, and now mm-hmm. mine have been drastically reduced. Yeah. And I know a lot of people struggle with that all over the country. So. And if someone's like, I don't really know what an environmental allergy looks like, what does that mean when you talk about it? So environmental allergy is like pollen or it could be mold in the air, mm-hmm. depending where you live at. It could even be like, you know, from chemicals, even mm-hmm. like if if you live out in the country, it could be toxins and chemicals from what they spray on the crop, even that smell or something seems to really bother mm-hmm. you, right? Or fragrances even, like in right, perfumes or perfumes or the, you know, all, almost everything has a fragrance in it now. You can't really buy anything about <laughs> yeah. it. Like, I mean, unless it's a more natural type of product, right? But like the um, yeah. more commercial type shampoos and, and lotions and things like that are always very heavily scented. So that could also be something that, you know, a lot of people I know are very sensitive to smells, perfumes, or, you know, any type of fragrance like that. Right. Exactly. Thank you for running through all those. Because I think it is amazing to see how all of those things kind of are pointing towards perhaps something else that's underlying that you don't really fully comprehend when you're just like, oh, I don't really like the smell of that cologne. Why is that giving me a terrible headache right now? Absolutely. It's, One thing that is very beneficial for, 
you know, and I really stress this to people is like, everything is connected. Like I used to blow off stuff like that too. I, I thought it was all from stress. I was at a job I hated. So I just mm. thought it was just normal to feel like that. And I just want to let everybody know it's not normal, <laughs> not normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that too, that like, no, it's not normal to feel like that. Like, I think that's a mm-hmm. big takeaway. You don't always have to have a headache or you don't always have to have that kind of unusual abdominal feeling or whatever it is. Like there's probably something else. So it's time to get curious. Yes. Since we've looked a little bit at some of the symptoms, I don't know, are there some, I, I think we've chatted a little before too about like, what are some of the myths that you think come up for people around like, what is celiac or food allergies? Like what are the some of the things that we should break apart right now? Because people feel like, I don't know, either it's something they think they know or something that's holding them back, maybe from getting a diagnosis. This probably could play a part in that. But one of the things I definitely hear a lot of from people that are even, you know, gluten intolerant online, and I think this is a a myth and misinformation, so it sort of ties in together, is that if you're gluten intolerant, you don't have to worry about getting small amounts of gluten in, like from hidden sources, because there's a lot of hidden sources of gluten out there. And mm-hmm. it's not like just straightforward, like wheat, you know, barley, rye, and that'll lead into another myth. But, um, you know, as opposed to if you're celiac, you have to watch out for everything. And that's one thing that I've learned that is not true. Like if you're gluten intolerant, you're gluten intolerant. You shouldn't be eating anything gluten on it on purpose. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> um, and just to, I'm going to go, I'll go ahead and let, you know, clarify celiac, celiac and gluten, you have to eat the same way. You both have to eat gluten intolerant, even though celiac is an autoimmune disease and it's an autoimmune disease that's triggered by gluten intolerance and, and it triggers a specific gene. So that's why everybody doesn't necessarily, if they're gluten intolerant, doesn't mean you're celiac. Yeah. So hopefully that's clear. And um, I think another myth to really bring up is that we've all been taught for the longest time that if you do find out you're gluten intolerant, that the gluten, traditional gluten-free diet is the way to go. It'll get you healthy, you know, and that's all you have to do. But I am here to tell you, your viewers, that, that it's not that simple. I know for my own self, because I basically was an experiment for myself. When I first started putting all the pieces together, I went to a doctor. You know, he put me on the traditional gluten-free diet. And the thing that happened for me was, like, I was feeling really good probably for, like, six to eight months. And then I just went backwards, went to feeling like I'd eaten gluten, which I probably had been because I didn't realize what all the all the things, you know, sources of gluten were, but also he was just telling me, we'll figure it out. And I was sort of like, I'm going to figure this out. So I started really doing a lot of my own research. But one of the things I learned that completely flipped my life around, besides finding the right functional doctors that knew this area, was learning that that all grains have gluten. So it's not just wheat, barley, and rye. It's actually corn, rice, millet. And the long list of grains that we all have in, out there in our diet and that are available to us, they all contain gluten. But the problem arises, companies and doctors, Western medicine doesn't know a lot about this area. And a lot of people have their different opinions on it. The gluten-free processed food that's sold out there, you know, has corn, rice, millet, whatever else, I mean, and, and what, you know, other things in it that aren't truly gluten-free, so people are still eating gluten over and over again, and then they wonder why they're not getting healthy. And then also some of the pseudo-grains out there, there's a cross-reaction, like even though it's not a grain, like your gut, when you eat it, your gut sees it as gluten and, and you get the same response, so it still makes people sick. So, you know, it's like a little hamster on their little wheel, right? We're all just turning, eating, eating. And um, mm-hmm. one of my favorite, um, one of the things I've heard ever in my life that really, you know, helped me through the really tough times was like, you know, you can't expect to eat crap and get healthy. <laughs> and that and that seems <laughs> to be how our society really functions, though, if you look at it, right? 
I ate the same way everybody else ate before I figured out all this. So right. I really get how it can be hard. You miss your own food. You feel like you don't have enough food and all the things my clients come with me, you know, it's really around like a lack of food when there's really not. It's just new ways. So, you know, I really get for all your listeners out there, like I started out just like everybody else and I ate the same way. Because, I mean, I, I learned the same way to eat as everybody else because I, I had to learn differently. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, and I want to really underline that you just said, like, all grains have gluten in them, because I think that that's a huge myth that if we're buying things that are labeled as gluten-free, that we think, oh, this is now healthy, which I think maybe that's an interesting myth that I've seen to kind of dive further into it as well is, I don't know, when I when I announce to people, oh, yeah, I, I'm gluten-free, they're like, oh, you must be the healthiest eater on the planet. That some, like, mm-hmm. I think there's a double-edged sword right there. Like, I'm not sure exactly what to make of that. But other than it doesn't mean that you're always eating grain-free just because it's labeled gluten-free. And so it's really smart, I would think, to then start to read labels and see what's in it and get really familiar with what is in a gluten-free food, especially if it's a processed food. The focus for the podcast for this month is new. And so... I think what's super interesting to me is when someone is in that kind of inquisitive phase, like they know, okay, something doesn't feel quite right. Maybe they totally related to one of the symptoms that you mentioned. And they're like, I think there's something else going on because intuitively you might know that about your body. What would you say? I think there's, because I really loved what you said, but what would you say about that intuitive hit? Like, hey, I think there might be something more. And if somebody's like, I don't know if I should listen to that or not, let's talk a little bit about that, like having the trust to know our own bodies and know what wellness might look like for us. That's a great question, and I love that question. If you intuitively, I have to say this, in our society, we're not really encouraged to listen to our intuitive hits. It's, we're just not. <laughs> yeah. um, so if you are getting that intuitive, intuitive hit, however that occurs for you, I strongly encourage you to follow it. Be curious. Dig, 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 because that will lead you to the right doctor. Because I always really emphasize to people, you want to get clear on like, if you are allergic to something and what you're allergic to, or if you're allergic to more than Mm -hmm. one thing, because that's usually a, most most time it's more than one thing. Right. You really want to follow that intuitive hit and, and let it guide you. Let it guide you because it's telling you something. Your body is telling you something. And if you don't listen to it, it's just going to, it's going to scream in a bigger way. And that's different for everyone. Like for me personally, just to give everyone an example out there, how that could look for you. So you have an idea for a couple of years, I was really starting to feel tired. I had no energy and I used to love to like, you know, exercise and keep in shape. It became a real struggle at the point because I just didn't have the energy to do it. I kept having these highs and lows and I thought it was just blood sugar. I was hungry all the time, foggy headedness, constipated. Those are really, and, and depression. That's one of the symptoms I left out, Paul, and it's, it's a pretty big one. But it's really, yeah, depression is another symptom that's very common with gluten that can be misdiagnosed as just depression. I mean, other things, and then people are given antidepressants, mm-hmm. and it just keeps going on and on. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. For me, when I, I didn't catch those because I didn't, I really couldn't, I couldn't hear my intuition at that time. Mm-hmm. I felt it before sometimes in my life, but I haven't really practiced that muscle. But when I really got so sick, and, I, and this, I'm guessing this is true for other people, like it's really hard sometimes to hear your int- intuition when you're really sick, except for it's going to really give you a big wake-up call in some way. So my big wake-up call looked like for me is one weekend my boyfriend and I ate pizza, pasta, and then I, I ate crab cakes at work the next day. And I came home, my abdominal was just on fire. And I was nauseated, mm. had a headache from hell. And all I could do is lay down. So that's how my wake-up right. call really came. And I noticed it. So if you're just getting that little hit, follow it. I you totally follow it. Yeah. Right. It's interesting because my yeah. own story there is when I started to think there's something going on with food because... It's like after I ate things that, you know, mm-hmm. and my stomach would get, it would get noisy. I'll just say that. And people would be like, are you still hungry? And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know what's going on. There's a lot of noise, like growling noises. And 
then I went to an allergist who did the pinprick test and nothing big mm-hmm. came out of that. So if other people have gone through that, the interesting thing though, that came up there was I already knew that like there was something with sugars going on and that's what fructose malabsorption is about is not being able to absorb or digest fructose. But they said, you should try the paleo diet, which mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew from the minute they told me that. I was like, no, I don't think that's right. Because there's a lot of fruit and fruit sugar is one of the problems that I've had. So it was that mm. I tried it, but I knew going into it that I was like, this is rough territory. And of course, right away, I had all the responses that I'd been having. So I think if right. you intuitively, if I go back there and like, if I'd listened to that little inkling of, hey, I don't really think once I've looked into paleo and I know what it is, I don't think this is the right choice for me. Like, I think getting comfortable and listening to your own intuition about those things is, is exactly what you're talking about. And that's the little curious nudge that maybe you need to be like, I need more health in my life. And so what does that look like? Yeah, and the thing I think also with that, too, is a lot of people, they don't know what that looks like for them, though. Like, they they Mm -hmm. really don't, they haven't learned how to listen to their body. And I find currently that's a word that's really thrown out there. And a lot of people take it as a hall pass, like, at least if they're gluten intolerant, to not switch to, like, really going completely gluten intolerant. Like, they won't give up the traditional gluten-free diet. They're really stuck in that, like I'm listening to my body, but listening to your body mm. doesn't mean you get, get a hall pass to eat what, whatever you want. I mean, and that's my experience. Some people are taking it to that point and not listening to their body. There's really that fine line of really listening to yourself and your body and not listening to your head and following what it <laughs> yeah. wants you to do, which is my experience. People think they're listening to their body, but they're not so much. The more listening to their head because not willing to give it certain things. Right. And the other thing I just want to say around this is like, I really am not a big proponent around the word around diet because it's the whole context it creates for people, right? It's a very disempowering right. context. And just for your followers out there, eating completely gluten-free is paleo because it's grain-free. So I'm really mm-hmm. trying to merge those. I'm trying to connect those dots with people because a lot of people don't realize that, Paul. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought it up. And right. like even within like the paleo diet, if you're gluten intolerant, you still may have to make other adjustments if you have other food allergies, right? You're talking about your fructose one. And I can't eat mm-hmm. apricot pork, which are very off the wall. They're not considered common allergens, right, in, in our society. Right. Like, they ate common allergens. So, you really just have, like, I work with women that are gluten intolerant primarily, but they do have other food allergies usually. So, there comes in adjusting around eating a grain-free diet with the, uh, your other food allergies. So, it's not like a one-off diet. You do have to tweak it like what you're talking about for yourself. and. Even myself, I tweak it around the amount of sugar because even though paleo doesn't have grains, they use natural sweeteners. Mm-hmm. They still can use a lot of, a lot of large amounts of those. And like, you know, different bodies don't react well to amounts of sugar. Like I still can't eat a lot of sugar. My body just doesn't process it right or something. So I just know that. Yep. So. Paleo doesn't fit all and completely gluten-free. So I work within that realm and you adjust what else your body needs, like your, your needs around your fructose absorption, not working correctly. Right. So I just want to sort of give people that roundabout about like, it's not a one off at all. You you tweak within something, you know, if you have food allergies. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And that is fascinating because I think it gives you understanding kind of the landscape. It gives you, I don't want to use the word diet, but a specific direction might help you, but then, yeah, it's completely tweaking because some people with fructose malabsorption can, what, they can have more sugars of some sort. Like maybe some people can deal with pears and some people there's too much fructose in that for them. So I think the really interesting thing there is really paying attention. And I've started to think of both gluten and the fructose piece as there's like a threshold I want to keep the intake as far as low as I can because inevitably I'll run into some sugar somewhere in the day that I shouldn't have gotten myself into, you know, even with best of intentions. I don't know if there's like a a way that you think about looking at how someone, I don't know, how does someone start to create, I'll call it a palette of things that they can eat. How do you start looking at that? And then what's the mix of 
I mean, I'm not suggesting anyone should go into gluten if they are gluten intolerant. I am pretty strict about it. But like, how do you start to map out what works for you? You know, most people need support around it. Most people, once they find out it's not the traditional gluten-free diet, I see a lot of eyes glaze over because they're sort of lost after that. And, you know, they can't just go in and buy the processed replacements, right, necessarily. So, honestly, I mean, getting support was like the best thing I did for myself because, you know, I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning and it was really a struggle and a lot easier when you have someone supporting you. And that could look differently for everyone. Like some people need a coach like I do, a coach, the more one-on-one thing. And some people do great with just like support groups, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that if you can find a support group that's paleo, but then sometimes you have to tweak within that on if you have other food allergies. So I would say it looks different for everybody, but I would say most people really need some kind of support system. Trying to do anything you're on your own, one-on-one, like it's really going to set yourself up for disaster because it's like those New Year's resolutions that most people make every year, right? So like, you know, (laughs) they make them New Year's Eve, they're all like ready to go. And like maybe the first week, they're all committed to it, whatever. But then after that, just because it's human nature, you know, reasons, you get reasons, you get reasons every day why you can't do something right. Like there's always going to be a reason to stop you. And, and most of the time we don't have big enough why to keep our commitment to consistently right. to do that, even for our health, even though that sounds crazy, it's just how it seems to work with our mindset. So that, that's another reason I really encourage people. Most people don't realize, like, until you really start diving into this, it's not just taking the food out, but, you know, there's mindset because mm-hmm. we all have stories around everything we do. And specifically, you know, I really work with food stories. Um, we have yeah. food stories for what we're not, we can't eat, what what other people think about it, you know, our, our new way lifestyle and social events. I and mean, we have stories around all of it, which are very disempowering and can really make it hard on us to just switch to lifestyle because we have to eat differently than someone else. I mean, it's really crazy. And how people react to that sometimes is not that supportive. Right. Well, and there's two things in there that are fascinating to me. I mean, one, right off the bat, like so many foods are emotional for people, meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a certain cookie that you, well, or there's a certain cookie that you eat at a holiday and that's what is part of the holiday. So it's hard mm-hmm. to disassociate. And like, I think it's really hard to tell ourselves that the other choice is healthier because it seems like it, at least for me, I'll totally admit that there's some, you know, I love a big bowl of pasta and I, do I want to switch that? No, I don't. Like there's something really <laughs> nourishing and like lovely about it. But when I know, and I really trust in myself that I'm not going to get better if I keep eating this way, meaning the gluten-filled pasta way, like that's not going to work. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to talk about some of the mindset that people have to to face there to try and like unlock maybe what's holding them back. Because I think it really is part yeah. of its emotional and its resistance in a way. And I'm sure you see it that is, come up. It's totally emotional and it's resistance. And what you were talking about is a perfect example of the pasta or the cookie at the holidays. Christmas, this is something your family or friends have, you've always done with them, right? You've always done, and you can't imagine not doing it. One of the biggest things is working with people on, and everybody's going to be, you know, have their own why, but really getting people where they realize what they're responsible for and being open-minded about new, right? Change. Because if you look around like the human human nature, today's a perfect example because Donald Trump's going into office, right? Change is not usually easy for people. And, you <laughs> yeah. know, we resort, go back into fear and scarcity around it usually. And that's really what happens when people switch to a, a new, in this case, gluten-free lifestyle. That's what happens to people, even though they may not realize it, right? So they revert to their old ways. One of the things we work on is being open-minded and just really digging into most people have core stories that are created around when they're before 10 around everything. And that comes into play around food as well. And the other thing that I help them on the knowledge-based side of it is all sort of like, it's not just being open, it's open-minded and trusting your body and also trusting 
your doctor, your coach, your support group, you know, trust, right? So open and trusting, I'd say, are two big things. And then on the knowledge flip side of it, I always bring people back to, like, there's a way to make what you're talking about. You miss so much, but it may not be exactly, but it's going to be close enough, right? So um, one of my favorite quotes is from Woody Harrelson is, food is taste and texture. So if you can get something really similar to it, the odds are is it's going to be close enough for your mouth. And even you sort of be, when you create being open to it, it's going to be like, wow, that's really close. And that's really pretty damn good. Or like a healthy (laughs) version of it, right? So that's why I've found a lot of ways. I mean, just from my own life. And you're talking about pasta, which is not my area, but like I do know it as a paleo blogger, food blogger, she had an autoimmune disease and she has really deep roots in, you know, Italian, right? So she mm-hmm. made this cookbook where she's converted all her family holiday dishes like she grew up with into a paleo version. So like David wow. Walker's against all grains. If that's one of your things, don't reinvent the well, just go find someone else. The odds are someone else is out there has has like adapted something. If they haven't, I love being a food scientist now. So I've gotten mm-hmm. pretty good at it. So like we've really got where we can adapt, you know, adapt certain things and, um, you know, I try to make really most more common things that people want, right? But they miss like bread. Everybody wants to bread because, you know, we have that mindset around it. And um, mm-hmm. even though I help people with their mindset, I don't want them to feel deprived because I don't feel deprived at my, what I eat at all. I feel like I eat a lot amazing food and I eat better than I did before. So um, there's ways, you know, the mindset is a piece of it. And then I give people the knowledge that to, you know, the basic stuff, right? Like that's knowledge. So both of them combined together, it really creates it where, you know, when you start easing into it, you create love around like how you're eating again, basically, and love around your lifestyle, I would say, instead of coming from that fear side of it. Yeah. I love what you just said around creating love around what the way you eat again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is hard. And I think one of the other pieces that's so hard, the first piece of resistance would be your own. But then I love that you also brought up that other people oftentimes are either, and I don't think it's out of any malintent, but I think because society is used to this is the way we eat, that people question, and I get it all the mm-hmm. time still, you know, a decade later. I don't know. There's a couple angles there. People that are less than helpful or less than supportive around your choice. Or even people that don't quite understand what it means and then would offer you something or a host or a hostess at a dinner party that understands what you've said, but then there's no options for you to eat there. So how have you seen or what maybe advice would you give people who are kind of okay with their own landscape in a way, their inner landscape, they get it, they know what they need to eat, but then you get this, sometimes it can feel like a crushing emotional blow that someone isn't supportive or it can just be really frustrating when you go and you're hungry and there's really nothing you can eat in a place. Like, how do you deal with those pieces that are external and out of your control? Well, some of those are like, you learn to have personal conversations and I go in more <laughs> yeah. detail around, you know, coaching and things like that. Like, you just have to have flat out hard conversations sometimes. I did with my family, right? And like, mm-hmm. they may yeah. not get it, but they got, that was how I was going to eat and that was just how I was going to be. So, and you may have to work some strategies with them. Like with my mom, when I go home, I cook now. She doesn't yeah. cook. And she's cool with that. She's in her 80s. And I know that I'm getting nothing that I didn't get in my diet. Because it was really confusing for her. She wanted to make stuff for me in the beginning, but she just didn't know hidden ingredients. And mm-hmm. and even in her kitchen, that's gluten's been in that kitchen for years, right? So, there's just so many... There's a lot of cross-contamination, other things that I teach people about that you have to just be responsible for yourself. And one of the things is you have to be responsible for yourself. You can't expect other people to be responsible for you, even though they're doing out generous, lusty, and loving. They may not, they may not understand enough of it, and they may be like, right. you know, oh, traditional gluten-free. Yeah, we understand that. We can take care of you, but they don't understand that's not eating completely gluten-free, which is grain-free, which I emphasize a lot. So right. you really have to take responsibility for yourself. If you're completely like comfortable with how you eat, you're not going to worry about what other people think about it. 
you'll get mm-hmm. what they say to you and you'll just be okay with it. And you can accept it and go on and just thank them, you know, for being loving and kind or for whatever comment that is. And if it's like a misconception, you can also take that opportunity to educate them around it. I have a lot of people that know I eat gluten-free. They don't really understand it, but they just sort of learn to adapt to it. And this is something else. I really create strategies with my clients over, you know, if you're going to dinner parties, social events, if you're eating not at your home at restaurants, that's a lot of things that you learn to. There's certain steps that I teach people that are help you keep from getting sick. And it's not always a guarantee, right? Sometimes it does happen. So, yeah. You know, there's more restaurants out there that are organic and, and local, but you still have to watch out for like hidden sources there even or foods that cross react to your gut. So there's just a lot of caveats, but really taking responsibility and learning all the ins and outs. And, and I love what you said earlier in the podcast about, you know, even people eating healthy or eating things they don't realize that aren't healthy, like certain ingredients. Yeah. To give you an example, xanthan gum. All the gum, oh, yeah. actually. Like, they're so chemically processed. If someone knew how chemically processed that corn, and you're easily sourced from corn, so that's not a good store, um, start for people that are gluten intolerant or even someone that's wanting to eat healthy because you don't know if that corn, the odds are that corn is GMO, right? right. And it's so chemically processed to make that product out of corn. They use a ton of chemicals, which isn't a good thing either in anyone's diet. Mm-hmm. But if you're gluten intolerant, that dampen gum, your gut's going to react to it, just like gluten. So there's, you know, there's a lot of things like that, little, I would say, details that people don't know. And, and then they may not feel it, the inflammation or, you know, whatever reaction the gut has it to it if they're healthy, but they keep doing it over and over for years, it's going to show up somehow. And how it shows up for us, you know, is different for everybody. But inflammation is not anything good in anybody, anyone's body because that's, you know, one of the things that causes cancer is inflammation, right? So, you know, inflammation causes all kinds of diseases. So true. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so interesting to start to know those things and start to look out for yourself. I think one of the things that was kind of life-changing or... I don't know, point of view changing for me was really realizing that it's okay to be in a restaurant or at someone's house or whatever and tell them and speak up and say exactly what it is that you need. Because I think so many people and women especially are so hesitant to say, mm-hmm. well, here's, you know, I see that, for example, like I see something on the menu. Can I have it with this and this? And none of that, you tell them what you don't want. And it needs to be gluten-free, even if they don't fully get what that means. But so you're really specific about what your request is. Because I know for a long time I was like, well, but I feel bad. Well, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna feel a lot worse if I eat it and it makes me sick. So, And I'm not trying to be crass about that. I think it's just that learning, I kind of heard it in there with what you were saying, is learning to become really comfortable with standing up for yourself and what you need for your own wellness. And being responsible for yourself. And what you're talking about is very yeah. true, it seems like, especially for women. I've had people just tell me countless stories why they were sick. And I even know from one of, one of my friends, you know, when we used to go to restaurants, we were in this program together. She had asthma, and her asthma, like, got really bad. She ate green. But she still, it still didn't, I don't know, it still wasn't a big enough impact for her. Like, all the things, how bad it made her feel. It just somehow wasn't a big enough impact for her to stop, you know, even in the restaurant when like, you know, they would say, well, it has this or something. And she'd be like, well, that's okay. And I don't know if your viewers can hear me. Sorry, but like she really spoke in a low voice. (laughs) That's what I was trying to get at. She was embarrassed or she felt bad. Like you said, you used to do, right? And I know that's a very common feeling with people, especially women. Like one lady told me she was feeling bad because. They went to her mother-in-law's, and she wasn't supposed to have dairy or grain, yet she ate dairy and grain because her mother-in-law made this specific dish for her, and but she didn't take out those ingredients, right? So she ate it and still, yeah. like, suffered there because she didn't want to make her mother-in-law happy. You know, self-care is really the cornerstone of self 
it's one of the cornerstones of self-love, right? So you keep filling your up, you fill yourself up. But if you're not practicing self-care and avoiding the foods you cannot eat that make you sick, it's also going to end up affecting family and friends because you're not going to be feeling good. And what happens when most time you get sick, right, is you're cranky. And then you take it out on other people, which is not, you know, that doesn't usually go very well. <laughs> it's interesting, kind of the whole mindset shift that happens. I feel like, I mean, I don't know if mm-hmm. I really re- reflected on this before, but it does feel like having some sort of a food allergy or intolerance really is a personal development journey all on its own. Like you really have to become comfortable with what your boundaries are and speak up for yourself. And, and like you just said, practice, I hadn't, I mean, I guess I had thought about it, but it is, it is an act of self-love and self-care to be really on your routine, if you will, like really make it a part of your day to day that you're living this instead of just resisting that it is a truth for you. Yeah. One of the things I find very common is people, however you want to word it, like they really struggle with taking responsibility for themselves, right? They expect the doctor to know what them to do. And granted, you know, doctors are knowledgeable and we do want them, but we want to be responsible for our own health. Like, you know, my own functional doctor, like he really like challenges patients to ask him questions because he'll be the first to tell you he doesn't know everything, even though he he knows a lot around this area, right? But he's always like up for a challenge. If you have a question that you're not clear on or like what he said, right, challenge him. And I encourage everyone to challenge their doctor in that respect because if you don't know, like a lot of people are very unclear, they have all this stuff going on and it's really hard to decipher. And I talk to these people daily that they're like, oh, we'll just wait to see what the doctor says. And usually the doctor is not going to know, right? A lot of times, Mm -hmm. because they just don't know. They're not trained in in nutrition and they just don't know. And it's no fault of their own fault, right? Like it's just how our system works. They do different blood tests than like an alternative doctor would do because they don't really look at the core root of what's causing it. And this is why there's a really up level of dysautoimmune diseases and why our food sources, I mean, are just not really food sources anymore, right? It's, it's shifted a lot, but it's still, so it's really up to us to look out for our bodies and our health. That's why I really emphasize with my clients. Once they start being open-minded and trusting and really working on the mindset, you can have this amazing life without certain, it's just a food group that we can't eat anymore. It's not like, I mean, it occurs to people as like, oh my God, I'm going to die since I cannot have grains now because we've been told we have to eat that, but we don't have to eat that to be healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then the next step there too, I mean, it's in amongst what you're saying there, it's like really learning to trust that if a doctor isn't, when they're challenged, when, if they're not going to work with you, that maybe then it's okay. Give yourself permission to find someone who will and that who can be as curious as you are about what's going on and not just rely on this thing that maybe they've been taught. Because I think if they're just, you know, there's different kinds of doctors. And so I think finding that right one for you is also a part of the journey as you yeah. learn to live with whatever the allergy or intolerance is. Is there anything that you're working on that you want to kind of share with with listeners before we get into the last two questions? I'm going to be creating some videos. One of the things I keep hearing that is a lot of people are not comfortable cooking like this yet. So I'm, I'm going to be making some videos showing people how to make recipes. And I have my book that's like there to help people get started. I have some other things I'm going to, I'm working on. Um, I'm going to be doing a webinar probably in March, and I'm in a summit in February. So I'm super excited about those things. Facebook and Instagram are the best places to find me and what I'm currently doing and also ask questions and comments. And then if you want more information on general what I do, my website's a great place to go. Great. I will link up to that in the show notes. And so our last two questions, what role does balance play in your life? Or if you wanted to lean towards what does harmony look like for you, if balance isn't a word that resonates, can you let us talk us through that in your life? Okay. Well, one thing I just want to say is through like there is no such thing as perfect balance in your life, I don't think. I think us mm-hmm. looking for that illusion is sort of like on the perfectionist side, right? And it's, there's not really anything mm-hmm. like that. You really have to create what works balance works for you at harmony in your life, right? 
So I would say my my biggest things around that is my self-care routine that I do every day and meditation and just getting out in nature really that fuels me up for, of my self-love for myself and taking care of my body physically, mentally, emotionally, body, mind, and soul, right? And that's really my cornerstone right there that keeps me rocking and rolling. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I like that connection of body, mind, and soul. And then last, what are three ways you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? First way is definitely learning to love yourself. Love yourself, and you can give love to the whole world, right? And you don't have to have someone love you first. And I think that's really valuable, and that's something not all of us have learned to do. I think it's something that's really missing in our society. So learning to love yourself for you, that's definitely one of them. Once you do that, you can, whatever you want, give it to other people. Love, generosity, or just building people up for success. Give everything to other people that you want in your life, and it's going to come back to you. And let's see. The other one I would say is just going out in nature. That really helps me ground and be of service to other people because that really lights me up and It can only take a smile. It doesn't have to be just around a business or your work to do that, right? Something as simple as a smile, opening a door for, you know, someone, their hands are full or something like that, or buying somebody a coffee. It's really that simple to bring joy to someone else's life. And it's really the old adage that they say, pay it forward. That really pays it forward in the world. That creates a different world for all of us. Yeah, I really like that. Thank you so much, Connie, for being on the show and for sharing all this wisdom with us. You're welcome. I want to give a special big thank you to Connie for being on the show. Thank you so much. Um, I really loved our conversation and it's just so, it's reassuring and so helpful to have someone like you out there for people who are figuring out that they have a food intolerance or allergy. If you want to get more information, find out more about Connie you can go to the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 71 and you can, you'll find all the links to Connie's site and learn more about her. And she has some really awesome gluten-free recipes, including I think a cranberry muffin and a couple of drop biscuits that I saw that just looked so good. So head on over to the show notes and you can get the link to that. And next week, as we move into February, this year, as you guys know, the show is going to have kind of a focus for each month. So January has been new, and February, the focus is foundations. And we are kicking it off in high style in episode 72 with Brianna and Dr. Peter Borton. They are the founders of The Dragon Tree, which is a wellness organization and spa based in Portland, Oregon. They recently released their book, The Well Life, and we chat about how sweetness, structure, and space can help create the foundation for an amazing life. It's such an awesome conversation, and I cannot wait for you guys to meet them and learn all about how to create more harmony and more foundation for a wonderful and amazing life and bring more joy as well, of course. So I will see you guys next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.